sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. We made it to Friday here on Fantasy Sports Today, and you made it back to our show. Thanks for watching. This is FST here on SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com. I'm Craig Mish, along with Joe Pizapia. Got plenty to cover here on the show, including previewing the weekend from a fantasy and wagering perspective. Jim Sanis will join us. We'll talk some DFS with him. We'll build some lineups. Howard Bender will join us. We'll talk about making some picks on Saturday night in the Westgate Super Contest. And, of course, every day... Joe Pizapia joins me to talk a little fantasy football where we start off with a quarterback change in New Orleans. Not the one that everybody expected, not the one that everybody wanted, but obviously Sean Payton, I thought, made this perfectly clear over the last couple of years, the direction that he wanted to go. And that comes to fruition this weekend against the Atlanta Falcons show. It certainly does, and we'll see whether or not this is an indictment on Jameis Winston or if this is just a vote of confidence of Taysom Hill. And I can tell you this much, we're going to get to see a good opportunity to whether or not Taysom Hill is a quarterback in the NFL. Now, we don't want to judge too much off of one game, one performance, but he's at home with a healthy Michael Thomas and a healthy Alvin Kamara, and he should be able to have a good matchup here against the Atlanta Falcons. So, Surian, this is huge news, and to a lot of people who picked up Jameis Winston this week on the waiver wire, yet again, here we are, lighting money on fire on Wednesday, only to come back here on Friday, looking at the waiver wire again to see is Taysom Hill still available. Yeah, and, and look, that's part of fantasy is trying to guess through this, and, and I don't think that anybody should feel bad because, look, Winston was brought up to be the backup quarterback for Drew Brees, but the reality of the situation is that Sean Payton is coaching the New Orleans Saints to win a Super Bowl, but he's also coaching for the future, and everybody knows that Drew Brees is not part of the future. He's part of the team currently. But within a year or two, if not sooner, he's not going to be playing anymore. And this year, more more than anything else, I mean, he was taking Drew Brees out at the goal line. He was taking mm-hmm. Drew Brees out for several plays every game. And, I mean, it just makes perfect sense. Like, I, I just I, – I don't know why that I was even surprised that Winston was named the starter because if you're putting Hill in for Brees, you're going to definitely put him in for Winston a lot more. And honestly, in watching Winston, I didn't think he looked that good last week. And I understand he didn't practice with the ones. We've also seen backup quarterbacks come in with less name and less fanfare than Winston perform very well with not having any backup experience in a week. So not sure which way this goes in terms of indictment for one or pushing the other one up to be the starter. I can't answer that. Only Sean Payton knows and his diary knows that answer. But we'll definitely get a better look this week. That's for sure. That's where we'll start here on the show today is Hill gets the start for the Saints. He qualifies a tight end very stupidly in some fantasy leagues. And so this is going to cause a major problem, uh, not just for DFS, which maybe makes a little bit of sense, but for season-long fantasy leagues to be able to play this guy at tight end when he's a starting quarterback in the NFL was a horrible, horrible decision uh, by, in particular, ESPN to allow this to happen. Uh, great for people who own him, no doubt. And if you're the savvy owner that owns him, you're in a great shape. But you may get 30 points out of your tight end this week, and you don't really see that happen very often in a fantasy season. All right, well, not a huge fantasy night last night for anybody in Seattle-Arizona game, although the game was very exciting. did come down to the mm-hmm. end. Seattle imposes their will late on the Cardinals defensively. 
They win 28 to 21 and are back right back where they need to be in the driver's seat to win that division. No doubt about that. Greg Olson leaves the game, unfortunately, with a fascia injury to his foot. There's a chance he's played his last down. We'll see. Also big news for the Browns. Miles Garrett placed on the COVID-19 list. And so they'll go against the Eagles this week, potentially without him, although he can get activated by Saturday from what I saw. Uh, Tulsa, wow, no score at the half in their game last night. They come all the way back from being down 14 in the fourth, one of the more entertaining Thursday night college football games that I've watched. And speaking of college football, a ton of games have been off the board this week, including yesterday, Maryland and Michigan State. So, uh, Joe, I, I think that a lot of us will be focusing in on that Saints game this week against the Falcons to see how Taysom Hill ends up doing. But there's no question that the odds makers have already made their adjustment. We're a little bit of a pullback now onto the Atlanta Falcons, thinking that maybe this could be a closer game based on the will that, uh, way that Taysom Hill plays. But how can anybody really know how Taysom Hill plays? We haven't seen this before. So I don't know what yeah. to expect. I'll look forward to it. Well, I know one thing to expect, and that's going to be very, very high roster percentage of Taysom Hill on FanDuel as a tight end. Because even if he's mediocre, his touchdown equity just went through the roof, not just for a rushing touchdown, but for a passing touchdown, even if he doesn't play all that well, as long as he's playing quarterback, but he's actually qualifying at tight end, especially at the cost, which is basically a free square 4,500. He could be 60, 70% rostered potentially in the million dollar contest. And that's just a fact. And it might be best Taysom Hill lineup wins. And the one thing I would also, because basically you're turning it into a super flex team right now. That's what you're doing here with Taysom Hill. But I also would not ignore the other side of this game with Matt Ryan. I think a lot of people are talking so much about New Orleans and who's going to play a quarterback. And they're kind of not forgetting about the other guy who's actually played pretty well at quarterback since uh, that quarterback, that head coaching change, excuse me, has been made. And I would say this, don't forget about him. Don't sleep on him. Perhaps this game becomes a little bit more exciting because the Falcons score a ton of points also. But also, uh, please, uh, you know, I hope this isn't the end for Greg Olson. I hope he doesn't go out this way. It certainly seems like he might be going out this way. That was a terrible thing to see last night. A great uh, career in the NFL. Great college player, too. I know he has aspirations to be joining the booth very soon. A lot of people thought he was going to do it this year. So I hate to see a great NFL player go out like that. And uh, obviously, our best thoughts go out to Greg Olson today. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see what Seattle does at tight end moving forward. Maybe Will Disley. I know Hollister had a catch in the game yesterday. But anybody playing in the Saints offense, they do use the tight end. Maybe not as frequently as some other teams, but they use them enough to make an impact. And so that could be a good pickup for next week for sure all right well uh dan strafford's got our update in about 10 minutes from now so stay tuned we'll have the latest of everything going on in the world of fantasy sports and wagering but coming up next we'll recap the thursday night football game and it was the seahawks and cardinals we'll have the fantasy standouts from that game coming up SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today on SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com. Thursday Night Football did prove to be the entertaining game that a lot of people thought. I mean, how much more can you ask for in the NFL when the game comes down to the final drive? That's what you want in any college or any pro football game. In the NBA, you want it the last bucket. College basketball, you want a team taking the three at the end. I, I know that there are some folks that are complaining about the fantasy output, and I think that that is fair. But from an entertainment standpoint, reality point of view, 28-21, 
Seattle ends up winning the game. Now they're back in control of that NFC West, although the Rams could have something to say about this in the end. Let's go through the fantasy standouts, and then we'll break this down a little bit more. Russell Wilson, a little bit underwhelming, but did get two touchdowns. 197 passing yards, 42 rushing yards, ends up getting you about 20 fantasy points. You can live with it. We've been spoiled very much with Kyler Murray, but he didn't look right last night. Looked like maybe he had a shoulder thing going on. Kind of unclear. Didn't rush for a lot of yards. Did throw for two touchdowns. And in a normal situation, you would take this from from your fantasy quarterback. But I know a lot of people expected more, and it just didn't happen against Seattle. Carlos Hyde looked pretty good. 14 carries, 79 yards. Also scored a touchdown, two receptions, 16 yards. So Seattle's happy to have him back for sure. Not much from Kenyon Drake, although he did score a touchdown up the middle. Uh, caught four balls, got you about 10, 15 fantasy points. Also, Chase Edmonds scored a late touchdown as well. Both players actually viable in fantasy this week. Mm-hmm. Larry Fitzgerald, eight for 62. Kirk, very quiet in this one. Lockett, nine for 67 and a touchdown. DK Metcalf also had a touchdown, also had a drop. Probably could have had a little bit more fantasy points in, in this one. So, you know, it, it, Seattle's at home. They get the win. I, I don't know what more there really is to say about it. <laughs> Look, uh, Arizona's a good team. They're not a great team. Um, you know, is Arizona a 14-win team? No. Are they a 9-win team? Maybe. And 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 they deserve a lot of credit. They are much better than they were last year. Kyler Murray is a star. And they're going to need to build. So they're going to need to coach a little bit better. They're going to need to play a little bit better. They're going to not to stop making mistakes. But I, I, not many teams go from three wins or four wins to 12 in one year. And mm-hmm. so I think the Cardinals still have a shot to go over their season win total. Their schedule is not that unfavorable moving up. But they went against a, a team that was better than them. They beat them the first time. Now they've swapped out. And I and I think that Seattle pretty much controls their own destiny at this point, which shouldn't be very unexpected. It just looks like it was it was very clear to me what happened in the game. Yeah, look, I, I think we have uh, some agreement on this game and some disagreement too, but uh, that's what makes for good television. I'll say this. Certainly you're right that they do control their own destiny. They have a game against the Patriots next week, then two games uh, with the Rams remaining. I think the 49ers they've got on there, and then they've got uh, games against uh, the New York Giants and the Philadelphia Eagles. So, yeah, Kyler Murray still is in control of his own destiny along with this Cardinals team. I thought last night, too, kind of getting lost in the shuffle on the defensive side for the Cardinals, too, was Isaiah Simmons, who played great. So if this is his coming out party and last week he played well, too, that's a big bonus for them on defense. If that young man can continue to make strides here and he's looking more and more comfortable in that defensive scheme. So that's a big uh, win there. But I felt like, you know, as as much improved as Seattle's defense looked at times last night, the the Cardinals basically handed them points. They handed them points there with the safety, with the two points there with the with the holding penalty. And and look, you know, that's something that just happens okay. But they also handed them points on that play where they stopped Tyler Lockett short of a third down. They're about to punt, but instead Drake or Patrick gets into a, a little bit of a, a tussle there. And next thing you know, you go from uh, you know, punting to now half the distance of the goal, and then they score a couple plays later. And that's nine points right there. And we were giving up nine points, and on top of which, there were a ton of penalties on the offensive line in this game. There was a lot of times where they went from second 11 to second and 16. A lot of times they went from third and three to third and eight. And you can't have that. There were a lot of issues there. The offensive line did not play well. Kyler Murray did get kind of fallen on early, and you could tell that shoulder was bothering him. Troy Aikman kept pointing it out in the broadcast a million times, and, and he's right. The way he was going to the heating pad, the way he was continuously trying to stay warm throughout all of that. He did not look nearly as comfortable as Kyler Murray usually looks. But those are all excuses at the end of the day. Seattle's at home. Seattle took care of business. This was a good game for Russell Wilson. Certainly a better game, a more balanced game, which is what we talked about yesterday on the show, right? Would we see 
a more balanced game out of Seattle Seahawks running the football. Carlos Hyde at times looked very good running the football. That was important. That was enough to at least differentiate the offense a little enough, take a little pressure off Russell Wilson. And this was a an okay game for Russell Wilson. This was not an MVP performance from Russell Wilson in this game. So although he is now still second in the MVP odds, Murray's odds go from eight to one to 11 to one. I don't think Murray's completely done, but it's now become a long shot here for that award. However, man, you look at that schedule and there's still some pretty good opportunities for some good performances. We'll see. He is on historic statistical pace. I don't want to lose sight of that. Hopefully the shoulder's okay. But look, you're right. This was a very entertaining game for me. I'm sure for you and for everybody who watched, it lived up to the hype because it came down to the very end. And what a disappointing end too, to end on a sack. I mean, I really wanted this to end at least on a ball that was intercepted or something like that. But to end on a sack for Kyler Murray, a guy who's so good at avoiding sacks, this was kind of a a strange thing there to see. Well, I I know. And I know you were pulling for the Cardinals. You wanted them to win. You (laughs) thought they were going to win. And I I can understand that. But but the reality of the situation is, first of all, I had no dog in the fight, so I could care less. But the reality of the situation is this. Did Arizona ever lead in this game? Did they ever have a lead? No. 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 So, nope. so you, you can't look at it and say and, and say they should have won the game. They could have no. won the game. They also could have, I, they also I, could have I, won the game should. by going down and scoring a touchdown at the end. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I, when it comes to, like, betting specifically, like, Seattle was the right side. I mean, they, they led the game from start mm-hmm. to finish. They also missed an mm-hmm. extra point. Keep in mind, that could change the way that mm-hmm. the game's been played also down the stretch. I, I was actually surprised Seattle didn't go for two at one point after they missed that first um, – that missed that first extra point. I, I think in two years, Arizona may end up being better than Seattle. It, it, I feel like it could be headed that way. They're going to have to draft a running back. I think next year, I don't, I don't really love Drake in particular, and that can come very easily in the third round or 14th round and then mm-hmm. use Edmonds the way that they're using him there. They definitely are going to have to get some help on the offensive line, because as you said, that they were making a ton of mistakes. They have probably two, mm-hmm. I would say really good offensive linemen, but the rest seem like sort of backups there, but Seattle had their fair share of injuries too. They lost two offensive linemen in the game. They put in a left tackle. They were just pushing that guy around. That other guy that came in, I don't know who he was, but they were just destroying that guy. So, uh, I mean, Seattle in terms of winning a Super Bowl, no, I I, I don't, I didn't come out of that game thinking, wow, that's the Super Bowl team, but Mm -hmm. it was just a very cut and dry game. Seattle goes up, they go up some more. Arizona comes back. Seattle goes up some more. Arizona comes back. Seattle goes up some more. (laughs) Now Arizona has a chance. Oh, they messed up. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, that's the NFL. I mean, that's, that's kind of what, what the games are. But if you bet either side, Seattle or Arizona, what I always say about the NFL is this, and, and even college football to a degree, there's two minutes to go at the end of the game. Do you have a chance to win the bet? Seattle, yes. Arizona, yes. <laughs> the team that wins is the team that wins in the end. And so Absolutely. that's why the lines are tight. That's why the lines are close. And if Seattle had won 41 nothing, or Arizona had won 41 nothing, like Saints-Bucks, whenever that was a couple of weeks ago, well, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, that's overwhelming. But it was right. a toss-up game, a toss-up sure. ending. But, you know, in the end, Arizona was not able to score the final touchdown. But that's the way that all of these games come down to. By the way, not wins and losses, but against the spread. It always right. comes down to the last drive of is the team going to cover? It's not always win and loss, but we see it so many times in the NFL of, of who can cover and who and who won't. And so I, I do like Arizona, but in closing, I'll also say this. They've lost two of the last three weeks. They could have easily lost the last mm-hmm. three games too. So sure. I would I would not say that they are in that category of – Kansas City, 
Pittsburgh, uh, maybe, maybe I guess maybe Seattle. I could go either way. Maybe Seattle goes to Arizona. I think that Arizona could probably beat them. No problem. But uh, next year, that will be a team that I'll be interested in taking a look and seeing what they did mm-hmm. in the offseason. They had a great offseason this year. Can they get yep. better on the lines in the offseason? Well, and, and I think, and look, like I said, Isaiah Simmons playing last night too. That was a big win for them. If Chandler Jones can come back healthy next year, uh, I think you get still some pretty good play out there from that secondary. We'll see. they got cap space. So uh, I think you're right. I think a couple more pieces on defense, maybe a running back, uh, one or two offensive linemen. All of a sudden, the Cardinals look like they could be a favorite potentially in that division, which is not, I mean, it's not a hot take. It's not a crazy thing to say. I think it's actually very reasonable considering where things are at with Seattle. But I think you phrase it very well. Uh, They could have won that game. They should not have. But the could is frustrating because of all the mistakes that the Cardinals made. And I think they basically made too many mistakes at the end of the day, and you just can't do that. Yeah, I, my, my concern for them was actually against Miami. I thought that was a game they should have won and, and did mm-hmm. not. And Or maybe maybe I should use could instead of should. All right, Dan Strafford has the update next, and then we'll play some Fantasy Jeopardy. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, time to play a little Fantasy Jeopardy here on Fantasy Sports Today and always asking the interesting questions, giving the interesting answers. And so, uh, Joe, have you ever thought about participating in a game show of any kind? Have you ever done that before? A national game I show? Have. Local game show? Uh, there you go. Fa- fantasy or reality, Craig Mish? Reality. I did. I took the test for who wants to be a millionaire, passed, and was actually moved through the process. But... I never got the call, sadly, but uh, oh. I passed the test, so I was at least smart enough to uh, to be a mediocre smart. I guess that's it. I guess I'm not Jeopardy smart, which is fair, but uh, I did it, actually. I did try to do the who wants to be a millionaire thing. I saw the questions all the time on TV. I'm like, I can answer these. I'm always winning at least 50 grand on this thing. Come on. Let, let's open this up. I don't like that you know, deal or no deal. I want to win on some merit. Right. I want to have not luck. I want some kind of knowledge or something based on my abilities to win money at least not just complete and utter luck how about you did you ever uh you ever end up on prices right one crazy weekend there where uh you know everyone in uh <laughs> in your college uh, hey guys let's all go out to la for a weekend and see if we get the prices right anything like that ever happened no but my brother was on who wants to be a millionaire no. he actually was on oh, was he he was oh yes and he how was did on he the do? show is this like uh, just filmed in one or later yes. on no with regis Yes, he was on there, but it was it was a they basically he was at college and they found a way to like bypass the system of calling in to answer the questions. So I think the deal is, is that you had to answer the questions as fast as possible to qualify. So everybody in their fraternity, what they did was they like they had some people plant in calls to get all the answers first. And then they were able as soon as they as soon as the phone picked up to just hit all the answers, see do 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 and then they and then all the fraternity brothers got on the show from the University of Florida. See, it was different that? by the time I did. You had to go in person and take a test in New York. It was like a whole yeah, different no. thing. I guess they had changed no. it over the years. So nice. Yeah, he got on there somehow and then him he was on, and then another fraternity brother was on one week, and then another they all they all somehow got on the show. I was a lifeline, but I never got called. I don't I don't think he did too I, I think he got maybe past the first part, like somebody else got knocked off before him, but then that was it. Uh It wasn't a big success. 
And then uh, Wheel of Fortune came to South Florida one year, and oh. I was able to to watch the show and and do a store TV story on the show with Vanna White and Pat. But I never was like on, never qualified to be on any any uh, any. What a strange life they must have lived those two for thirty years now doing that show. When you think about it, that's a, that's a long time. She's been turning tiles, and he's been uh, you know telling people to spin wheels. Crazy. I don't know. What a gig. <laughs> He's a huge Dodgers fan, by the way. Always goes spring training. Oh, and that's everything right. Like that. That's yeah. right. Very big baseball fan. Yeah. All right. So Fantasy Jeopardy, Joe, do you want to handle the questions and answers here? Sure. Let's do this. So here's the uh, the first answer, uh, if you will. And this team has allowed the third most rushing yards and a league high 16 rushing touchdowns, Craig Mish. So, so do you do you want to take a, a, a gander, or a guess, or for a – well, it's uh, not fair. I know the answers already. Well, we all know, know the, the answers answer. here. So tell us the answer. Go ahead. All right. So the answer is who are the Detroit Lions? I would not have guessed that. I, I did hear uh, about the stat about the last six games or so, maybe being last in the NFL with rushing yards and rushing touchdowns. I guess what I would ask is: is this luck? Or is it skill involved in this one? What do you What do you think? I, I, are the rushing touchdowns? Is that a skill of giving that up? I, I don't I don't get it. Well, is it? it's it's not a skill, but by the time you get ten weeks into a season, it's a pattern, and it means that you're probably you're failing in the red zone. You're also failing right. uh, up front on the goal line as well. So the lack of physicality, which you wouldn't expect from necessarily a team that's coached by a defensive guru like Matt Patricia. But this is just the case. This is just what's happening. Teams have been able to run all over them and specifically run on them when they get close into that red zone area. And this is something to consider right. this week because P.J. Walker is going to be playing quarterback. With all the Taysom Hill news, we kind of lost sight of, oh, yeah, by the way, Teddy Bridgewater is not going to play this week. He's going to be XFL star P.J. Walker. And that means okay, – I didn't even know that. that. When did they announce that? <laughs> Before the show? Yesterday. I didn't see that. Yesterday, actually. Yeah, yeah, it was flying totally around on that. yesterday. Yeah. Totally it, missed uh, it. it. It, it seems like his MCL is not going to be uh, – it seems like they're trending at least towards the P.J. Walker thing there, and then it seems like the MCL is just not ready for him to be playing this week. So basically what this comes down to is what's Mike Davis's value. And Mike Davis's value right now has been pretty good most of the year. And when you give him a good matchup like this, look at last week. Look at what Antonio Gibson was able to do. J.D. McKissick was able to do at Washington, right? These two guys were able to run all over Detroit, and I would expect Mike Davis to get every opportunity to do the same. So I wouldn't shy away from starting Mike Davis. And I even think he's kind of a, a sneaky good start on FanDuel this week as well because of this stat and because most people will be afraid of what happens if and when Teddy Bridgewater is not out there. But I don't think it matters because Mike Davis should have a good game because the matchup is good enough regardless. Yeah, a couple of things. First of all, yeah, I don't think there's any question Davis is going to be in play because that quarterback is going to be dumping off a lot to him. The other thing that I would say, very rarely would I tell you that we're going to have a pick in the Super Contest, and I don't even need to wait to tell you, going to be taking Detroit in the, no, in the Super Contest. Oh, boy, because you love the Lions. <laughs> Craig Mission the Lions. Love, just, I mean, back. look, we're, we're getting a four-point flip here from, yeah. I mean, in the I Super know. Contest, the lines don't change. So right. in the super contest, I, I believe Carolina was minus one and a half or two, and now and now the Lions are minus three. So like you just have to, it's just like a must do. It's like you just have to do okay, it. Can't so. I snuck that one by you there. That's that's good. Let's yeah, do another one. I don't one know. I, was, I don't know why. How I, I thought I saw Bridgewater say something like, "Oh, if I can play, I'll play." I don't know how I. Missed yeah, this well, that was but... that was like Tuesday, <laughs> and yesterday was like I have. Yeah, yeah, I, I think just, it's going to be I haven't logged on the last. But you see, you see the, the line right, so. moved, so you see what I'm saying. So let's go to the well, next 
now, yeah, now I see Detroit minus two and a half. I think it's going to go higher than that. It's not going to. Yeah, not well, stop get it. Who in the world is that third string quarterback? Who's Carolina's third at alone? Who is uh, who is Jake Delome? Right, <laughs> exactly. Who is no Jake? Idea. Oh, it's oh, it's uh, it's Will Greer. Oh, yes, it's Greer. It's that's Greer. Greer. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, that's, that's gonna be fine. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's go to Why number two Will here. This... Why isn't Will Greer oh. playing in this? Because PJ, because look at what Gilbert did last week. It's all about these guys who play spring what football do you mean, now. Greer great in college. I gotta give him a chance. The cool kids want to like play spring football. That's guys. a bad call, Mike Carolina. Hmm. Well, we'll see. Well, all right. Again, anyway, he's familiar I, with the quarterback. He coached him in college, right? That's going to be yeah, the narrative. I guess all that's week. why he didn't draft Will Greer. But that's a shame. I would have liked to see Greer play. I'm biased with that one. Okay, let's go to the West Coast running back. This West Coast running back saw his snap count rise from 39 percent to 73 percent over the past week, and and this this answer shouldn't surprise anybody. I guess I guess him playing well is the big surprise because he was a complete and utter disaster mm-hmm. with the Dolphins, and that is who is Kalen Balage of the Chargers. Balage was a good running back in college. In fact, if you go back and check my old tweets, I actually tweeted out before the Dolphins drafted him that they were going to. I, look, I, I thought they liked him a lot, but he was a Gase guy. So clearly when they got rid of him, when they got rid of Gase, that was the end of Balage there. Uh, I, I quite frankly am shocked that he's been viable at all. I did not think he'd yep. even be in the league. He's been now out of the league a couple different times. So maybe he found something now. Maybe that was motivation for him. I, I don't know the answer to that. I know Austin Eckler is coming back very soon. I think next week, if I'm not mistaken. So it could be short-lived. I guess the question is a one-week scenario. Would you suit him up again? I think you do because it's the Jets. And I think that's the simple answer. And I just want to not overcomplicate things. Everything you're saying is right. Kalen Blahaj has kind of become a punchline in the fantasy football community. But look, it's 2020. You need healthy running backs. The matchup against the Jets is good. I think you could run out Kalen Balaj out there, despite all of the history and all of the bad mojo and everything going on there. Uh, let's do another one here. This tight end's last red zone target came all the way in week four. Week four. That's a long time for a tight end that we liked at a certain point who was actually playing well up until that time. And I think you know the answer, Craig Mish. Yeah, I mean, this is not surprising at all. Who is Dalton Schultz of the Dallas Cowboys? The quarterbacking's been abysmal up until last well two weeks ago i guess they were on a bye yeah i i, I dropped schultz everywhere i had him uh, yeah, just, that's just the truth i, I mean Here, look gilbert may a... be better than 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 danucci but i think you got to do better than than schultz in fantasy right now I don't you think... ready for this yeah. Dak prescott even though he's been hurt all these weeks still has more passing yards than cam newton lamar jackson baker mayfield and drew Locke. all four and, and you know what <laughs> The first four games he played, it does not surprise me. He was he. I mean, he would be in the MVP conversation even with the team being eight and eight or seven and nine. No, he was unbelievable. Maybe. He was so good. and and look, so it's really good. unfortunate we didn't get to see it. Uh, look, I, I know Blake Jarwin will probably be back for Dallas next year. They're going to have to pay him. I don't know that they will or not, but I, I think Schultz showed a lot when he had Prescott there, but without him. It's, it hasn't been fun. Yeah. Finally, yeah. I have seven receptions in six of the last nine games, despite a tumultuous quarterback situation. That is our final Jeopardy question. And the answer is, who is Terry McLaurin of the Washington football team? A, a very boring team and not a sexy name, but a lock and load wide receiver two every week in fantasy football, Joe. 
I love this guy. Next year's Black Book's going to be a love letter to Terry McLaurin. I mean, it's just him and Alan Robinson somehow every week find a way to do this. And I went back to the Terry McLaurin game log when I pulled up that stat, and I'm just looking at him, thinking to myself, wow, look how good this guy. And this again, this is not targets. Listen very carefully. Receptions. So he's always getting good looks. And this guy for his career has played with guys like uh, Dwayne Haskins, Alex Smith, Kyle Allen was Colt McCoy there last year. I feel like Colt McCoy at some point played last year for Sounds the right. for the Washington football team. I think like think about the quarterback play this guy has had, and think about how productive he's been. And also then consider the fact that nobody saw this guy coming. Like he kind of was on the nobody's radar going into last season. People didn't want to pick him up after the really good week one that he had last season. Eventually, people came around. Then people thought, okay, we'll sell high on him. And then he was still good, even though he had gotten hurt. He came back healthy and finished strong. And this year just continues to be, like you said, a lock and load wide receiver. And I think when you're looking next year, there's going to be a fascinating landscape of wide receiver because you get all these young kids this year. Some will be post-hype sleepers like Ruggs, and people will want the bounce back or Jalen Rager and guys who didn't really come to fruition. There'll be guys like Judy and CeeDee Lamb. And then there's guys like Terry McLaurin who are going to kind of float through, and people aren't going to talk about them. But I think this is a guy that going forward you want on any keeper team you can possibly get and they'll probably have a new quarterback next year too we'll take a quick time out here on the show our start sit is coming up next jim sanis will join us we'll go through the dfs lineups for this upcoming weekend you'll need to make some key choices especially at quarterback and howard bender will be with us as well make sure you stay tuned and we'll be right back SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish, Joe Pizzapia. We'll talk some DFS coming up in an hour from now. Also, as a reminder, I've told you a couple times here on the show, Next week, Joe and I will be here Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thanksgiving Day holiday. We've reserved for a lot of football discussion here, so we'll have our full football rollout on Thursday, uh, Friday. Joe and I, I believe Joe's off. I know I am. I believe Joe is off, too, next Friday, too. So we'll get a couple of days off, and then the weekend, and then we'll be back for the stretch run here in the fantasy football playoffs. So that is our quick programming reminder here on the show, but we'll be adding (laughs) some extra stuff, too, so stay tuned to that as well. All right, running backs in fantasy football for week 11. I look at this list and say, where are the Buccaneers? You have bailed on the Bucs. Wow, if it only took no. 10 weeks. You no, did I haven't it. bailed. We have the answer now. It's Ronald Jones. That's it. It's over. It's done. Put a fork in it. It's done, huh? It's done. It's done. It's really? done. It took a long time. It's done. It's Ronald Jones. I told you. Don't you remember the efficiency number this week? I you say for that. No, you don't. Don't you do it. Don't you dare. Don't you dare do that. I don't know. Man. Yep. You're, you, I, don't, I don't know. I, I am definitely not sold on Ronald Jones at all. But How can you have 192 yards rushing? They went back to him after one run. Him he's still one really run. Yeah. Well, no. It wasn't one, one run was the 90. He still had 100 right? before that. Without that. Why not? They went back Burnett's to him after they fumbled. That is not done. done. It's not over done. yet. It's over. It's done. I got all the four net shares on the bench rotting away, dying on the vine. It's over. It's done. I'm sorry. I don't want it to be done. I would love for it not to be. And I didn't put him on the list here just not because, like, you know, I don't want to make the joke every week here where we got to talk about the Bucks running back situation. We don't. We're not going to talk about it because it's done. 
It's Ronald Jones. That's it. Okay. Shouldn't be anybody else. Okay. Oh, I hope so. I really do. I hope so too. I don't have either. Okay. So let, let's <laughs> go to players that we really do have to discuss here. Mike Davis, again, with a different quarterback against the Lions. Kalen Balaj, his final, I would guess his final shot against the Jets. Damian Harris, Rex Burkhead. One gets the yards. The other gets the touchdowns at Houston. Melvin Gordon has really struggled with Denver against Miami. Giovanni Bernard, another start at Washington. Rams running backs, they have three against Tampa Bay. Ravens running backs, they have three, but they really have none, honestly, against Tennessee. I mean, Rams at least have three guys that are getting fantasy points. Ravens have three guys that if you combine all three, I don't think you'd want the fantasy points for those three guys, but maybe that'll change. All right, let's get let's get started here, Joe. Uh, look, for me, I'll just throw my darts here. Davis, yes. Balage, oh gosh, that is tough to say yes to, you but I guess to. I have to. Balage, yes. How does he not come away with Harris, a touchdown in three yards? Yes. Burkhead, I don't know. I'll say no on Burkhead, but I'll say yes on Harris. I think I think Burkhead serves his purpose as a flex, but I think eventually Harris is going to start getting carries near the goal line. That'd be that's a, a guess for me. Gordon's it's not eventual. No. It's it's actually happened. So it, while you're in that note, I just want to yeah, throw this out. Yeah, it's going to happen. Last two games, but, but I don't trust games. Harris. I don't trust Harris at all. But I, I think I think he's shown that he can play. But he has to be healthy. A lot of things have to happen for me with him to trust him. Look, but for he's this nursing week, the angle. Yeah. He's nursing the ankle this week, but on that note that you're you're making and you're concerned, or if you have any concerns about whether or not he's going to get goal line looks, the last two weeks he has tripled basically his amount of carries in the red zone area and at the goal line. So it's starting to trend that direction where they're starting to get more confident with him, and that's a very good thing because the guy's been really good this year. That's the one thing where you he's look at good. it. Well, he's been getting the yards, but he's not getting the touchdowns. Burkett, I think, still has, because it's Houston, does have some upside as a flex in PPR this week just because it's Houston. Burkett is very hit and miss, but I think with Houston, it's just going to be, look, this is what you're going to do. You're just going to utilize the running backs and just run, 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 catch the ball in the backfield, run, run, run. That's what you're going to do against this team. Uh, you have to start Balazs. You have to start Davis, even with the quarterback situation there, potentially being different. Melvin Gordon, for me, is a sit against Miami. I don't know about you, Craig. I, 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 I have got start? a lot of respect. I don't know, but I am. I think Melvin Gordon's another guy that we could officially kind of. I know a lot of people were hoping for him and David Johnson and those guys. To terrible have signing. Good years. Terrible signing. I think it was a terrible signing too. Philip Lindsay should always be that guy. And every year they, every year the guy rushes for a thousand yards. Denver has the money to spend, him. and they spend it on another running back. Like it just didn't make any sense at all. None. And I don't know that Freeman is good or not, but you could get another guy to give you seventy percent of what Gordon did on the waiver. Look, Carly could have Carlos Hyde for free. Yeah, Bo no Scarborough. Sense. Last night we had Bo Scarborough. He looked pretty good How too. great was that? He yeah, he did. <laughs> Every Thanksgiving. All right, uh, Bernard, you got to start, of course. And then I would not start a single Rams running back, and I would not start a single Ravens running back. I can't be talked out of that. Agreed, 100%. That's why I didn't even name them. They are those who shall not be named now. They're like the Voldemorts of fantasy football right now. I can't Terrible. do this anymore to myself. Uh, and look, it's desperation stuff. I get that. Sometimes you're on better choices. But in those matchups, none of those matchups are good. So if you can avoid it, I think Bellage is a better start than all six of those guys. I think that Mike Davis is a better start Probably. than all six of those guys. I think Damian Harris is a better start than all six of those guys. Melvin Gordon, not so much. I think I might take a shot there with the total at some of those games. But that that's that's where you start to draw the line. I think it's also a little bit of respect, too, for Miami's defense and how well that unit has played in the last few weeks. They, they really, you know, they are kind of an un- under-discussed, underappreciated group, and I know selfishly we're rooting for them to make the playoffs here, 
uh, on this program because we we just want that good audio. But still, I think you really have to respect what this team has been able to do. And Brian Flores has done a really good job with them last year and this year. Before we get to wide receiver, over under Mark Ingram career touchdowns, rest of his career, four and a half. Uh, I'll say under. I think yeah, this is I, it. I think, I think this is the cool. swan song for him. I mean, he's going to get to play for somebody next year, but it, but he'll be play. a backup next year somewhere, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, wide receivers. Let's go to it here. Antonio Brown, maybe his final game. Every week is probably his final game against the Rams. Derek <laughs> Judy against the Dolphins. DJ Shark here. He's here every week against Pittsburgh. Corey Davis at Baltimore. The Dallas receivers are in play again this week at Minnesota. Lamb and Gallup. Mike Williams against the Jets. Marquez Valdez Scantling against Indianapolis. So, for me, a quick glance here tells me that you're not going to have better options, three better options than Judy. I think you still got to play him no matter what. Corey Davis was on a waiver wire I saw of mine recently. I was considering picking him up, and then Judy I saw Raven. Against- Against Xavier Howard, you want to still play Judy? You still feel pretty good about that? I think I, I think really he is their like primary. I mean, he's the number one wide receiver on an offense that's losing in every game that they're playing. So because they're losing because they like to lose and then have to come back late. So <laughs> I, I would play Judy. I, I guess Shark. I don't know. I mean, it's it's so hard to. I, I guess you probably don't have a, a again a flex or third wide receiver better than playing Shark. I think you probably got to play him again. Mm-hmm. Uh, CD Lamb, I'm playing. I got him. I'm playing. I'm not playing Gallup. Williams is super up and down against the Jets. Valdez Scantling, this is a tough matchup for him. I'm guessing uh, he's he had a really good game. You, you see if you could build on that. He's a wide receiver three or flex for me. Antonio Brown's a no, by the way. Uh, yeah, Antonio Brown is a no for me too. Um, but I'm going to start from the bottom here with MVS, the last guy you mentioned. I am going to start him this week. Uh, Adams has struggled all week with an ankle issue. So uh, if he is not 100%, that could mean just a little bit more where Adams maybe at certain times is basically going to be, I don't want to say a decoy because it's Adams, but let's say a little bit more of, hey, show and a little bit less go. So MVS becomes a little bit more intriguing of a start than I would have thought going into this week. I normally would have been sitting in, but I think now he's starting to get into that wide receiver three conversation. Uh, same thing with Judy. When you go back, that that matchup against Xavier Howard, historically you go back and look at these numbers of who he's matched up with and they have not been good. But if you do have to start, Judy, just understand that you might need a little bit more boom in your lineup from some other guy. Um, with Shark, this is a fascinating one because last week was not a great matchup and he was okay. This week, another tough matchup here. But I, I think probably you're you're running out of options here, especially with some of the bye weeks and what you got going on. So I would probably be starting Shark too. But again, like Judy, you have to kind of start to build into your lineup some more upside. Maybe you have some other guys in there that could have some bigger games that you decide to roll the dice with. Um, uh, Corey Davis, that's another guy too that I think a tough matchup here against Baltimore. I think I would sit yeah. him. You know, I, I'm going to tell you this, and if you start looking at the trend from when Taylor Lewin got hurt to now – that passing offense has not nearly been as efficient, nearly been as good. So all the numbers have gone in the wrong direction for Tannehill, and I don't know we'll get to him in a little bit there too. But I'm with you. C.D. Lamb is the guy I would start over Gallup for sure. And just keep my fingers crossed because C.D. Lamb, I think, I'll tell you what, it's like the best and worst case scenario because the best case scenario is this year you had him and you started to see and you had some good games out of him, especially early. My God, was he good in that first month of the season. And then the worst case scenario is what's happened here with the quarterbacks. But going into next year, He's going to be an extreme value because some people still won't quite understand. If you didn't have him on your team, you didn't necessarily see what you saw. But I think next year he's going to be one of these guys that's probably drafted as a three or a two that might end up as a one or a two. 
Yeah, Gilbert focused on Lamb a lot in the last game, so I could see that continuing. Okay, okay, tight end, boy, I don't want to start anybody here, but I guess you're, you're forced to if you have no other options. Hunter Henry against the Jets, Hayden Hurst at New Orleans. I suppose he's startable. Dalton Schultz is a no for me. Tanyan is a start for me at Indianapolis. But, again, I don't know the roster construction of everybody's teams, and I find it hard to believe that these guys aren't a back-end start in the right matchup. Uh, I think Hunter Henry and Hayden Hurst are definitely starts. This like it's all in on the Jets. I think it just always have to be. Same thing with Mike Williams, who we just touched on too. Yes, Mike Williams is infuriating, but he's exactly the kind of guy this week that if you have Judy and you have Mike Williams or you have Shark and you have Mike Williams, you roll the dice and you see if you can get the big Mike Williams game because I think that will certainly help. Uh, I would definitely be sitting Dalton Schultz and Robert Tunyon. I think once again we're kind of in a bad spot here too. If what I'm saying might be true about Adams and that ankle, and you're a little concerned there, then Tunyon does become a little bit more interesting. All right, now let's move over to quarterback as we close it out. We found out earlier today Taysom Hill is going to make his first career start against the Atlanta Falcons, so he is in play. Ryan Tannehill has struggled mightily. He's at Baltimore. Carson Wentz, speaking of struggles, at Cleveland, but maybe no Miles Garrett there, so that does pose a question. And then Derek Carr. Derek Carr has been very good to play in fantasy this year, so he is definitely a playable option for me there. Uh, boy, Hill Who's the highest scoring that- guy of those four? Who's the highest scoring guy out of those four for you? I think it's Carr Maybe this Carr. week. That's what I think. Uh, this, this week, this week, you know, I, that's what I was going to ask you. I think that we should do an exercise here before we go. We can do it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but anyway, yeah, I, I would start Hill over probably like 15 other quarterbacks. I don't know that I would start him over the top like five or 10 guys. I would have to map that out a no. little bit. I would. How many fantasy points do you think Hill will have this week? How many fantasy points? Six points for a rushing touchdown, four points for a passing touchdown, and one point for every 10 yards rushing, and let's say one point for every 25 yards passing. How, how many it's hard, how many total it's hard not to see eight, it's hard not to see 18 or 17 in the I mean at, at the minimum. Like I, I think because it's the Atlanta Falcons too. So somewhere on I think the low end is somewhere around 17, 18 points. Camara being the out high is end is probably somewhere. If yeah. if Kamara's out, I think at this point you kind of take that. I would say 150 yards passing, 60 yards rushing, and mm-hmm. maybe one passing touchdown and one rushing touchdown. So that's six, ten, plus plus the yards, sixteen. Yeah, I think that's right on. I think that's yeah. that's probably right about where. I think anything less, you'd be surprised. Anything more, you would not be surprised. But I'll tell but you yeah, what, I think I'll that's, take 17 points out of my tight end. <laughs> if that if he's qualified know, that's a tight end, baby. That's honestly a disgrace. This should not be allowed, man. That is terrible. I mean, FanDuel, I totally get it. I mean, it's DFS. It's one week. But a season-long league, you get to play this guy at tight end now? What if Breeze is out a month? You're going to win your league with the tight end playing quarterback? <laughs> you might. <laughs> that's terrible. It should not be allowed. That's a, that's a big misstep, I think. And then I saw a tweet coming from ESPN today that they're going to reevaluate it after this week. Really? I mean, where was that last week? The evaluation now is he's quarterback now. So you're going to let him play quarterback? You're going to, what are you going to do, take away his tight end? Really? Like, I, I thought in fantasy leagues, once you have the qualification, you get to keep it. Isn't that the way it used to work? I I don't think they have a clue. Wow. (laughs) Okay, coming up next. FanDuel's much easier to pile through. Everybody's on the same playing field here. You can have Taysom Hill or, or you do not have to have Taysom Hill. We'll talk about that next. Sports Group. 
BetOnline.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, coming up in just a couple of minutes, Jim Sanis of Number Fire is going to be with us, and he'll share the same opinion, I'm sure, that Joe will have here on the show. <laughs> I'm starting to think, Joe, that we're going to have to not play Taysom Hill at tight end this week on in uh, on FanDuel because everybody else is going to be. How does that work in DFS? Aren't you supposed to go contrarian? Aren't you supposed to go you can. against the grain? It seems like the best play ever. In the history of DFS, which means that Taysom Hill will get a zero this week, right? Isn't that the way it's supposed to be? If Taysom Hill gets hurt, that's how it becomes. That's the only way at this point. Or if he gets pulled from the quarterback position. So, yeah, so you can make that case there. But, I mean, this number could be well over 60% in terms of roster percentage for Taysom Hill. And the problem is it's the perfect storm. It's a player who's playing out of position. He's playing a quarterback position where we just said he's probably going to get somewhere around 15, 16 points at minimum at the tight end position. And then compounding that with the fact that he is just a 4.5 min salary tight end. So you're basically getting a free square with Taysom Hill of everybody's getting spotted 15 points. And if you miss out on that, you might be on the other end of that spectrum. Like if you're the 20 or 30 or 40% that doesn't have Taysom Hill, you're working at a, a handicap of 15 points potentially. And I think that's something you just have to build in and understand. I'm going to lean towards the Taysom Hill side and say, Hey, this week, best Taysom Hill lineup wins. And we've seen this happen before in the past where you see a player who's really shouldn't be in a certain salary is. And all of a sudden, you know, you see a very high 50% and it is literally all where the pay line is are all those teams that have that player. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 